Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us here on Off the Couch on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Matt Mitchell, the writing editor at Blister, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. All right. So this week on the show, I had the pleasure of sitting down with author and athlete Jennifer Strong McConaughey to talk about her new book, Go Far, How Endurance Sports Helps You Win at Life. Born and raised in Kansas, where she still lives today, Jennifer has built a kind of life philosophy around the concept of endurance, pursuing it in all forms, whether that's swimming across lakes in her own backyard or running through the Namibian desert as part of a multi-day stage race. We talked about all of these adventures and more, including the creative benefits of pursuing multiple sports, not just running, how you can train for the mountains as a flatlander, her riding process, the Huckleberry Finn-style ultra-distance paddling trip she's cooked up, and ultimately, what led her to want to write a book in the first place. I also just want to say that if you're enjoying listening to these conversations I've been having on this show and find yourself wanting to get more into trail running, I'd encourage you to sign up for a Blister membership so you can send us an email and get my personal recommendations to help you find the right pair of running shoes. Check out the link in the show notes for more info on that, as well as all the other benefits becoming a Blister member gets you. Okay, let's get right into my chat with Jennifer. All right, Jennifer, welcome to the show. Thank you, Matt. Uh, I am excited to have you on to talk about your new book, Go Far, How Endurance Sports Help You Win at Life. Um, But before we do that, I want to get a little bit more info about your background. Tell us a little bit about how you grew up and how you got into endurance sports. Okay. Well, I I like to say that I've been a runner since I was seven. Um, I did my first road race when I was seven years old. And I've also always kind of been a swimmer. Um, I started doing competitive swimming around that same time. Um, So I've always been a runner and a swimmer. And that led to me getting involved in triathlons um, as a as a young person and sort of always having that multi-sport background. So I was never just doing one endurance sport. Um, and so I've really liked to take that theme and sort of keep building on it and keep progressing and um, to be sort of this lifelong multi-sport endurance athlete. Um, And so I've found new ways to run, new ways to swim, new ways to do three sports or more than that. Um, But I did, I did, you know, school sports and then I went to college and I was um, on the rowing team. I was on the crew team. And so that kind of added in an, another endurance sport, um, and and I've always uh, enjoyed. I live on a river, so I like to incorporate paddling, um, whether that's canoeing or kayaking, or right now uh, we're doing a lot of pack rafting um, or rowing in a, a skull boat um, in any kind of form of that. So so that's uh, another part of sort of the endurance sport uh, collection. Um, So after I did um, triathlons uh, as a young person, I kind of got back into those in my 20s and did a lot of racing. And then um, in the early 2000s, adventure racing uh, was really getting big. And I um, had watched the Eco Challenge and was really excited to try adventure racing. Um, And I did a lot of that. And so that really incorporated uh, the running and the 
long trekking, lots of mountain biking, uh, taking kind of the swim bike run from triathlon, but then doing kind of the off-road version of that. I did some some off-road triathlons, but really getting off course, off grid in an adventure race um, where you're having to do your own navigation and finding your own ways to checkpoints, working with a team instead of just like the individual sport um, adventure racing, you're usually on a team. And so you can all kind of pile your skills together and one person might be a great navigator and one person might be a great biker. Some of the team members might be great runners. Uh, you might have someone that you just click with on the paddle and you can just kill it on a, on a kayak across a lake or down a river or something. So that was fun um, for me as kind of a, you know an, an individual endurance sport athlete. Um, so you really have a great base and sort of this life lifetime of, of doing endurance sports. Um, but kind of my secret to that is that I just evolve and change. I, I, I don't I don't really run 5Ks anymore because I did that so much as a, as a kid. Um, I got really into ultra running and then from there stage racing, which is multiple day racing. Um, and because I'm a swimmer, I thought, well, I'm doing these ultra runs. Why don't I try some marathon swims as well? Um, and then, you know, being an outdoor person, uh, you can't neglect the mountains. So um, I always have kind of had that. I, I live in Wichita, Kansas. So we are not not by the mountains. It doesn't come easily. But, you know, if you love nature and you love being outside, you find a way to uh, either travel to the mountains or uh, come up with and use what you do have where you are. Um, so I, my family background is that we always liked to go climbing and hiking. Um, and I did uh, a lot of that growing up. And so when I was in my 20s and 30s, I could take off um, and do some of the uh, highest summits in the world. Um, and I also had that great running background, which just parlays itself. And we can talk more about that later. But it's like, you know, having having that running background really helps it. It kind of allows you uh, to jump in um, and try other sports fairly easily as long as you're kind of keeping that base training going. So I have a, I have a great background. Um, I know you cover a lot of snow sports as well. I like that as, as, as well and especially incorporating that probably less in a thrill-seeking manner but more in like an endurance like snowshoeing or cross-country cross ski, cross skiing. You know, I'm like downhill skiing. I'm like, okay, fine. That's okay. But like that can be scary. Let's do some cross-country skiing where we're just, you know, killing ourselves because we're going for so long and so far rather than the danger element. So, um, but yeah, just just uh, definitely always always just trying to be active um, and find where where you're at in, in your life. And I'm a mom now. And so um, that's had to change sort of my sporting perspective as well. I still do everything I've always done. I just do it differently. Did you grow up in Kansas as well? Yes, I grew up in Kansas. Um, I went to Kansas State University. And, you know, we're right in the middle of the United States. It's been a wonderful base to uh, travel around the world um, because it's it's easy to come home to, but it's easy to, to leave and, uh, you know, get to anywhere fairly, fairly easily. What I admire about, I guess, where you're from is that you're able to still do all these like insane, like athletic events uh, in an area that is not traditionally like associated with, I guess, outdoor sports, you know, it's not like a boulder or like a flag staff. What are some of the challenges of that? 
Well, it's, it, it makes when you do get to travel to Colorado or, or Arizona for, you know, desert hiking, like it makes those trips, um, more fun because you are getting to, you know, try out a different landscape. Um, and it makes you maybe not take it for granted as much because it's not just out your back door. Like I remember when I was planning my first, um, Grand Canyon trip, um, I was planning to do a rim to rim, but it was during one of the governmental shutdowns. And so we had to postpone the trip and it's like, oh man, you know, if we had lived closer, we maybe wouldn't have had like plane tickets and all that. But that kind of allowed us to say, okay, well, when we can go back, we're going to do the full rim to rim to rim where you run across the Grand Canyon and back in one day. Um, And so you try to like, when you do travel, I always try to pack more in. Um, And we've done some like um, canyoneering hikes. Uh, I say we just either like my dad and I, or my husband and I, or my climbing friends, um, where, you know, you're you're not just doing the the hike, you're stashing a bike um, and you're biking to the trailhead. And and so you're trying to get your biggest bang for your buck because you are having to to, um, really get the most out of when you are in Colorado or when you are on the coast. Um, and, and I, I recently went to Hawaii and I had a chance for work and I had a chance to, uh, try outrigger paddling, um, because I'm, I'm a, I was doing a bunch of kayak training and I, you know, kind of wanted to get some of that while I was gone. So I'm like, well, what can I do while I'm here? And, um, outrigger canoeing is, um, a really big thing. If you're in the Pacific, if you ever do an adventure race in the Pacific, you're, you're going to have that probably as one of your boating sections. Um, so I always use like, whenever I have to travel for work or business. I try to like uh, combine some kind of localized sport that I can do, um, really pack everything in. Um, But really, it doesn't matter where you live. There are things to do and things that you can find and you just have to get more creative. Um, And I think that, you know, the uh, pandemic times helped all of us uh, really find what we could do where we were. And um, it's it's something I've been doing for the last uh, several years is just kind of creating um, different events that I can do using the landmarks that I have. We, we, I mentioned we have rivers, so uh, they're not the obvious choice. It's not like a, a river in um, Idaho or Montana where everyone is on it uh, or Colorado. Um, you know, we still have the, the Arkansas River. Uh, it's the same river, but nobody is out whitewater rafting it because um there's no whitewater but (laughs) we recently my family got a whitewater raft um so we can do family adventure trips on the river um and some of our other uh rivers that we might travel to um so that's an example of like hey we we have a river let's get on it let's use it like there there are some national trails um but it it might not be something that um you know people can use it recreation recreationally in the city but as an endurance athlete i'm like okay how far out of the city can we go and uh we have some adventures um uh, we also have a couple of lakes right so kansas we have some reservoirs and some lakes i made it my goal to swim across uh the closest lakes to me um and those are you know a, a couple miles up to three miles uh, so these swim crossings like that that's not a normal thing like people aren't out just swimming across these lakes um but i thought well i mean i don't have an ocean to train in let's go find some lakes let's explore them let's add some other sports in um and so i also have kind of a, an idea in the back of my my mind of swimming across uh, the 10 largest lakes in kansas so i've got two down i've got 
plenty, plenty more time, plenty more time to work on that goal. Um, but that's just an example of like, it's, no one else is doing that. I mean, I, I have fastest known times on those, but they're not popular enough to even like record a fastest known time swimming across them. But, um, you know, you can just come up with stuff uh, and based on what you have around you. So, so it sounds like your dad uh, factored in heavily in, like getting you, um, I guess, like introduced into outdoor sports. Is that right? Yeah, he he was um, always focused on uh, getting us outside and being active. And um, he hel- helped me get involved in running and swimming and triathlons. And uh, then a lot of the adults uh, started doing the triathlons, too, in the 90s. So, like, it was kind of the reverse. Like, all of us kids really inspired our parents. And so then, like, the parents went on, like, the triathlon circuit or we'd be at, like, a swim meet. And the parents would be out, like, bi- doing their long bike rides um, when we ha- were around big hills and stuff and, and our local uh, traveling area. Um, so I, I, my dad definitely inspired me and he's the one that was doing, doing ultra running and kind of pushed me after my first marathon. He's like, why don't you just start doing ultras? Um, and at the time he was the only person that I knew. Um, and he, he was kind of doing stuff. So I was like, well, if, if I'm already running with you, I might as well go try a 24 hour. I might as well go do this 50 miler. I was like, and then I remember he did his first hundred and I was like, okay, okay, I'm going to do a hundred K, but like a hundred miles is that's just the next level. Like that's just out there. Like I'm not ready for that. And then of course I did the hundred K 62 miles. I'm like, I'm almost there. Like if I did a little more training, I could, I could do this. Um, and I, t- I do talk about that in, in my go far book, the whole idea of like, it might sound like you can't do it. Like you're like a oh, hundred miles running hundred miles. I'm never going to do that. That's for really out there people. But then once you try 50 or 62 miles, a hundred K and you experience that, like, maybe you can do it. Um, and you, you kind of understand like, okay, or what would it take for me to do it? I would need to maybe sacrifice a little bit of social life, maybe get a little more training in, maybe, you know, need to run for eight or nine hours at a time, that kind of thing. You you learn what you need to do and you get this idea that like you you can do it. And so a lot of a lot of that motivation comes from like getting out there and and trying um something that's out of your comfort zone. But once you do, you can build on that and take it even further. Is there like one sport in particular that you gravitate towards? Because I know like I guess we should start by going over I guess the sports you participate in uh, on like a monthly basis. Oh, it's a long list. No, not really. <laughs> uh, running is always my base um, okay. because it's it's simple. It, it's not easy. It's simple. You throw on your shoes and you you can do it anywhere. You can go outside. Um, you know, you as a woman, I like to find you know somewhere safe and light with a, you know and, and have a partner if I can or somebody on a bike. And that doesn't always happen though. Um, but running is is a great base, um, and I have used it to when I when I was training for my first hundred. I actually um, went and climbed Mount Rainier in the Pacific Northwest to train for some international glacial mountain climbs um, on some of the seven summits of the world. Um, and I felt like I was super well-trained for mountain shape, even even being from Kansas, even being from somewhere flat, because I was running uh, so long on the weekends leading up to that 100 miler. So that's another way of like, you might not live for the mountains, but you can still train for them. Um, of course, you want to incorporate some intervals and some stairs and something to sort of, you know, get used to that altitude. But 
um, having that really great running base was it, it perlate itself to be being able to have a successful hike uh, and a, a several days of climbing a, a large mountain and, and training and learning some of those ice skills. Um, so running is great. Um, I, I do try to swim because I feel like it's a good balance um, for a lot of the high impact sports. Um, you kind of get a lot of lengthening. For me, going underwater like helps as like a, a quiet time. Like I get to like zone out, um, which is hard if you don't want to be alone in your own head. It can be kind of boring, but it's also like if you're really super overstimulated, I think going and doing a swim workout is like a really great um, antidote to our society right now. Um, We have a lot of overstimulation. It's hard to find that quiet time. I never run with music, but I know a lot of people do. Um, so I use my running time as sort of my like meditative outdoor state um, because I'm like, I'm I'm around stimulation all day. Like this is my my long run. This, this is my time to just be outside. Um, and so swimming kind of works like that as well. Um, but it's even more immersive because you don't have sort of the visual stimulation, especially if you're in Kansas and you're swimming in a brown lake. <laughs> there is no visual stimulation. <laughs> so you can really tap into your own, your own head and plan and think and and have sort of, you know, a spiritual element to some of that as well. Um, I I like to do yoga again as sort of a a balance uh, to the running. Um, Some biking right now, we're doing a lot of gravel biking. We we often have to uh, tow the kids though with us at this phase in life, (laughs) which is a good cross training workout. Um, But it's not like the days of going out and getting a long 50 miler in on the road. I've done that, but that's not where I'm at on the, on my biking journey right now. (laughs) And then I, um, in the spring, I trained for a hundred mile continuous kayak. Um, so I called it an ultra paddle. Um, because I had done a hundred mile run, I had done a hundred mile bike ride, a century bike ride when I was um, training for triathlons. Um, and so I thought, well, as this endurance sport athlete, I want to add a third sport sort of hearkening back to like my triathlon days of like, okay, you've done two. What else could you do for a hundred miles? Um, and that's another example of that idea of like, I had done a 30 mile continuous kayak. Um, and I was like, I think I could do a hundred miles nonstop. Um, and, and I kind of took doing that mid distance, that 30 mile kayak to, to give me the confidence to know that I could. Um, of course I had to put the training in um, and uh, there and find a river because I, the river, my, my Arkansas River that I wanted to do where I live uh, didn't have enough water in it. Uh, so um, I actually ended up going to the next state over um, to Missouri and uh, doing a hundred mile. Un, I, I say unsupported. I had my husband and my dad and uh, they drove the, the crew Jeep and one would paddle with me and one would drive to the next stop. So we had all of our stuff. Um, but there are some events that take place on rivers, but you know, they're the people like camp and they go get pizza or, you know, some kind of cold drink. Like we weren't doing that. Like it was like a hundred mile race, um, for a run. Like you're, we got out at the, at the docks, uh, stretch your legs, use the restroom, like, you know, refill your water, re- refill your snacks. Um, but you're back in the boat and you're going cause you're trying to, to trying to do it, you know, under 24 hours. 
Um, so that was an example of I, I, there are some hundred mile races and events out there, but they they didn't ever work with my schedule or there was somewhere that I just wasn't interested in going to because I wouldn't appeal to me. Um, and so I just decided to make my own event um, in the Midwest. And I wanted to explore sort of my local environment. And I wanted it to have I, uh, I like to tie things into when I travel, I like to take in the culture and the history um, and in go far. I talk a lot about that. Uh, traveling to Patagonia or Africa or Iceland um, or the Canary Islands, like tying in um, sort of the global perspective. And so I wanted to have an American river adventure uh, on, on the Missouri. Uh, and we had that. And it just was something that was sort of self-created. Um, you know, other events that happened, the Coast Guard knows that you're coming and you're paddling, but the Coast Guard did not know I was there. <laughs> I had I had the lights on my boat, the proper lighting, and we, we you know, that we were navigating river traffic of barges and sand dredges. Uh, so it was really quite the adventure and something that I'd never really given a lot of thought to is, is the river life. But man, it was it was a really fun sort of self-created um, endurance sport adventure. Again, just just using what we had. Uh, you know, I, I could have gone and done some mountains, but kind of had done that. So I thought, let's do 100 miles nonstop on a river. See if we can do it. It's like it, it can't be longer than a, a, a hundred mile run. So right. How long did it take you? Um, it took me about twenty hours. Okay. Yeah. So right around that range. Yeah. So totally doable. Just a little bit of lost sleep and. <laughs> There's something like more personal about um, like endeavors that you've kind of like cooked up yourself for sure. Because you're not really like you're not doing it for like a. I don't know, a medal or uh, race pictures or anything like that. It's purely just like, I think I can do this. Let's see if I can, um, which is really cool. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And if you can find a race, I mean, that's a great way to get started and to test your hand and learn the ropes and pick up. But then it's like sometimes you come up with stuff that just doesn't exist. Um, so the next self-created plan, um, you know, I did the, the Missouri. I'm like, I need to try the Mississippi River. Uh, so, it, you know, when you grow up in America, you learn that the Mississippi is, you know, this powerhouse. It's the biggest river. It's amazing. And so I just felt like I need to find something to do on the Mississippi River. So, you know, that raft I mentioned, um, we're going to gear it up uh, like you would on a, a whitewater raft where you have the double oars. And uh, and we're going to go down the Mississippi uh, for at least 100 miles uh, and raft, raft the Mississippi. Mississippi for 100 miles. That sounds amazing. Do you have a, a, a launch date? <laughs> well, I'm thinking about the same time that I did the Missouri last year because in the Midwest, we've kind of tracked weather patterns. That's another thing. When you live in the same place a long time, you can study the weather and you know the best time of year to do your adventures. Um, and if you are a river person, you know, okay, this time of year, there's there's more than likely a lot of rain. And so it'll be high. It might be dangerously high, but that's better than no water. Um, so we're planning on a, a spring um, kind of around the same time as last year. But it's going to be, this is going to be more fun. It's going to be more like a, a Huck Finn River adventure. There we go. Um, yeah, I always like to try and tie in a book. Um, and so uh, it's going to be, yeah, we want to do 100 miles, but it's not going to be quite. So like I was pretty focused as anyone who's done a, a you know, a race. I, I wanted to make that time and I wanted to do it and I wanted to finish that. This is going to be a little more low key. Like if we have to stop on a sandbar it's okay. Whereas with the the ultra paddle, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't messing around with stops. <laughs> well, that's another luxury that 
doing something that you've designed yourself affords you you know you can take your time if you want to there's not like a, a clock and there's not a, a, a time you're chasing after necessarily you can you have to have the balance you know of, of like the race and then actually going out and like seeing the sights and taking them in because I, when, a lot of times when you're racing i'm like i didn't take any pictures i don't remember because i was have my head down and i was trying to you know get a time and so you have to have that balance of you know taking it in and also you know going for speed Right. And I think that's like a lot of the criticism racing 100 miles on foot gets is like you're blowing by all these really scenic vistas like you should be taking your time to stop and smell the roses, as they say. Um, And I get both sides, but uh, a, a river trip down the Mississippi sounds super cool just from a cultural and historical perspective. Um, I do want to talk about uh, swim run events because I know that's something that you've gotten into uh, over the past couple years um, and that is big on the other side of the world, but I think is is starting to gain in popularity in the States. Yes, it is. So I um, heard about swim run and it was my dad that told me about it. And it really appealed to me because um, as a triathlete, um, I really liked running and swimming. And in swim run, you do those for ultra distances. And so my background in marathon swimming, which is open water distance swimming and ultra running, anything over a marathon, um, I was like, wow, there is a combination sport that combines these ultra distances of my two favorite sports. Like, I like biking if it gets me from point A to point B. But like, you know, I was like, oh, it's like a it's like a triathlon or without all the biking. Like, I could really do this. Um, And, you know, it is different than an aquathon. A lot of people might have heard of an aquathon, especially, you know, in the 90s when when triathlons and duathlons and all of that was was big. Um, You would have a transition where a swim run, there is no transition. And so you swim in your shoes. uh, You swim in a wetsuit uh, because you're often swimming in really cold water. Uh, That's kind of one of the key defining features of swim run is that it was developed in Sweden and Norway and Switzerland. Um, And so uh, when I did mine, uh, my first race, I was in the Baltic Sea in Sweden (laughs) outside of Stockholm. And so that's pretty chilly. Um, you know, it's cold water. And so um, you want to have have that wetsuit as part of your gear. Um, and then you also are allowed to use a pull boy to elevate your legs because of the shoes. Now, they have had some advancements in the shoes. Um, they make specific water shoes that help drain. And so when I used to do adventure racing and I'm running in my running shoes and you have to do a water crossing and you're like trying to swim across some sort of lake in the middle of a bike trek and you're just like it's laughable because you feel like you're drowning because you have all this weight um in swim run you've sort of and it's been you know 20 years things have become gear is streamlined and there's more synthetic materials available um there's some some elements that are going to help you be in the water despite having all of these uh paddles and pull boys and wetsuit uh now if it is really um the right temperature a lot of times you can cut your wetsuit off uh, for mobility around the knees um, and the shoulders so it can kind of be shortened or, or around the um, the uh, forearm 
So that's kind of what I did. I, I had a full wetsuit designed for swim run. I got it out of Stockholm, um, trained in it all spring in the cold, uh, slowly acclimatized to getting in colder and colder water um, here in the Midwest, which is not a problem because it is cold until summer. So I, you know, I, you think how on earth did you train to swim in the Baltic Sea in a Kansas lake? It actually really, it wasn't that crazy because of all the wind and the rain and the cold temperatures. It just parlayed itself perfectly. <laughs> um, uh, so, and then once I got to the race on race day, uh, everyone was out uh, with their scissors like 10 minutes before the race, like uh, cutting off the, their, their wetsuits because it did, you know, the weather and the temperature were right for that. Um, and when I did mine, um, I think some of the elements in the States uh, now in the last few years, they have some events um, sort of in Michigan. Um, so it's still cold water. It's still island to island. Uh, that's kind of part of it because you have a different bouts of swimming and running. Um, but I did mine. I had to be tethered to a partner. And so not only are you swimming in all of this gear, but you are also having to be attached um, to your, your swim run partner. Now in adventure racing, uh, I had done that like on a bike or run, but it was really different to be swimming because you can't get too far ahead and like you want to move fast because it's freezing um but you have to be kind of cognizant of where your partner is um so it's it's great uh you know it, it's like you're running and running is hard and awful and then you just get in the water and it's freezing and shocking um and so it's like you just like really anticipate the next leg um and so uh the swim run you might swim for a mile at a time some of the swims might be only you know 100 yards um and then you might run for a mile at a time or three miles or six miles at a time. It just kind of depends. Um, but it is an island to island. The original swim run is called Attilo, and that is island to island is, is in that name. Um, and so there's it's been growing in popularity and kind of it's, it's in a lot more countries now. It's been, you know, five or six years since I've uh, done that. Um, but yes, it's, 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 it's amazing feeling to run, just jump into the water in one fluid moment, swim to an island, run across, swim back. Um, and so I, I competed in this, but I also took the idea of a swim run and I incorporate that into my training. I actually did that. Uh, it was a, it was a couple of weeks ago. My daughter was starting school. Like I was totally stressed out and I needed to get out. I needed to have a nature moment. I needed to feel wild and free. Um, and a lot of the swimmers that I follow online, they were all out doing uh, night swims. And I've done a lot of light, night swims, but I hadn't done one for a while. And I was like... I got to do a night swim. I just, I just have to get out. You know, that feeling where you just like, you got to break free of like the cage that you're in <laughs> of like, your, you know, your expectations and your job. So I woke up really early and I ran to a, a lake that I train in, um, in the dark and I did take, take safety precautions, um, you know, as safe as you can be while still, you know, being an adventurous wild free spirit. Um, so I ran in the dark to my lake and I jumped in and I did a, a water crossing. I, I had my running light on my backpack and I took it off my backpack and I threw it in my swim buoy. Uh, that's a big fluorescent buoy that I tow behind me for visibility. Um, and I swam across the lake in the dark um, and I came back. And so that, you know, if I, if I had more time, if I didn't have to rush home and get my kids off, um, I could have done another run and another swim and that would be like a swim run. Um, but this was the time I had. I had just over an hour 
shower in the morning. Um, and so I, I did that. I did a swim run. You know, I ran to the lake. I swam across. I swam back. I got out. My mom luckily met me there and took me back home. Uh, but I could have, you could run home. You could run to another lake. I've done a series in sort of my neighborhood. Um, and so that's been fun. So if you ask the sports that I, I do regularly, I do incorporate this, the, not just running, not just swimming, but the swim run concept. Um, and it's just, it's invigorating because it, it does the change up and it's, it's like a triathlon or it's like an adventure race where you're always looking ahead to the next sport. Um, but especially in the summer, like you just can't beat uh, the water. You got to get in the water in some way or another. Yeah. Well, I feel like your approach probably helps you avoid burnout too, I imagine. It totally does. It totally does. Like I, I was doing, you know, a very intense from like January to May training for that hundred mile ultra paddle. And and then, you know, I was like, okay, it's summer. We're going to switch. We're going to switch it up. We'll do some stand-up paddle boarding. We'll do some lake swimming, open water swimming. And I'll pick uh, some paddling back up in the fall. I'm getting ready to do um, a pack raft event. Um, so this is this is a self-created event using what I have around me in Wichita, Kansas. Um, so I'm going to go to my lake that I have swam across. But I found another section that I'm going to swim across uh, that's on another part of the lake. Um, I'm going to swim swim across, but behind me, I'm going to have my pack raft, which is like an inflatable kayak. And I'm going to have my bike in my pack raft. I'm going to tow it across the lake. And then when I get to the other side, I'm going to pack up my kayak pack raft into my backpack. I'm going to hop on my bike. I'm going to bike down to the river, the Arkansas River, and then I'm going to inflate my kayak or my my pack raft again, uh, my kayak pack raft, and then put my bike on top of it and paddle back home um, about 20 miles uh, to my house because my house is on the river. So I'll be going all through all kinds of countryside, all kinds of farmland through the entire city to where I live at sort of the center of town. That's really cool. Um, have you ever like felt tempted to like specialize in a given sport. I just, I know so many runners that all they do is run and they're so fixed to the idea that they're runners. And I want to just like sometimes shake them and be like, no, like do other sports. It'll help your running. And I'm wondering if you have like gone through that mentality before. I'm totally like that. I, I, that's kind of what Go Far is about. Um, my book is like, you don't have to just be a runner. Or if you are a runner, if you're just running 5Ks, uh, try a trail run. Um, try a, sky, a mountain sky run. Try a fast pack. Try a, a stage race. Like You can still be a runner, but you can be a runner in totally different way. Go do a triathlon. Do an off-road triathlon. Try an adventure race where you might run, but it's such a long... You're, you're covering 30 miles. Well, we're also biking and running and it's hot. So you might do more trekking. Um, and that's just kind of my message is that you can still be a runner, but you can be a runner in a lot of different ways so that you don't get injured and you don't get burnt out. And it's not your life. It's part of your life, but your life is about being outside and exploring and discovering and trying something new. Um, and, you know, on Unfortunately, I, I would have always loved to have just been a runner or just been a swimmer, but I always did both. Um, and so there were times when I was super focused, you know, on cross country season, I was a runner. On During swim season, I was a swimmer. Um, but probably the most in my life that I have been, one thing is when I did uh, collegiate rowing, you know, I was a rower. But also the reason that I liked it is because we did running and swimming for training. <laughs> so right. I, I, I guess it's just who I am. 
like. Um, I like the variety and I like to change it up. And I really do feel like it's helpful. Um, when my kids were young, I would do more trekking with uh, my daughter in the in the backpack and my son in the baby carrier. And like, uh, you know, I just, you do what you can at the season you are in life and that can look different and that can change. And, and I have to remind myself of that as well. Like I wanted to do the 100 mile ultra paddle for several years, but I, I was having children and I couldn't be away from them for that long. Um, and so I kind of had to wait for that. And so I, I had had that goal for a long time and I had to wait until it was the right time. Um, but that's been a way, like I, if I had never run 100 miles, I probably wouldn't have ever dreamed up kayaking 100 miles. So let your running or your base sport inspire your other sports. Um, but yeah, I, I hope that if you are a runner and you want to find a way to try something new or you don't know how or what to do, like check out my book, Go Far, because it gives um, people really concrete ways to, okay, well, that's great, Jennifer, that you have a lake and a river. Like, But I kind of try to tell people how to do that type of thing, um, no matter what they have, or even if it's just like looking for treasure um, while you're out and about. Um, you, you can the Treasure you know, is kind of defined by what you want it to be. Maybe it's just finding I found a wheat penny the other day, you know, like it's just kind of something fun to find. So, yeah, uh, before we hop more into a discussion about your book, uh, I'm wondering if you have like identified any like themes or consistencies that unite like all the endurance sports uh, you participate in. Like, is there one thing that kind of like, yeah, like threads through all of them? Well, um, one of the things that I learned in my first 100 mile is just um, continual forward progress. And it's always going to be hard and it's always going to be challenging. It doesn't matter if you're in a whiteout, in a blizzard, uh, hiking up uh, Mount Elbrus in Russia, uh, one slow step at a time. Um, it doesn't matter if you're running across a desert in Namibia and it's 115 degrees and you have to do it again the next day and again the next day and again the next day and it's over an ultra marathon each day. Um the, the only way to get through it is that you just keep going. Um, and, you know, a lot of runners just say just one thing at a time, one foot in front of you. Um, but just just find a way. Maybe you slow down. Maybe you walk. But whatever it is, just keep going forward. And I think that's a great metaphor for life because uh, last night, you know, we were chatting before the podcast, like, it just came raining down. Like we had to do this, had to do this, had to do this. This happened and this happened. I'm like, why is this all happening? How am I going to get it done and get eight hours of sleep and wake up and work out? Like, ah. Um, so one thing at a time, just keep moving at it. You know, got the, got it done, got the to-do list done, got everything that needed done. Um, so it, it really perlays itself to life. And and that's kind of the one of the biggest lessons from endurance sports is that you can do it and just keep moving forward. Yeah, just staying present too. Like I have heard uh, one of my former coaches say that like when you're in the middle of an ultra marathon, don't do math. Like don't start like adding up how many miles you have left and like how long that will take you, you know, like just don't worry about that. And going back to what you said about uh, continuous forward progress, like just one foot in front of the other. Cool. So we've traced your like athletic background. Now I want to learn more about how you got into writing. Well, I think I've wanted to write a book since I was a young person. I've always loved reading. And um, I knew that I would write a book someday, but I didn't know what it would be or 
any of that. Um, and so I, I work in uh, marketing and communications. And so I am a writer um, and I've written for a lot of different companies and a lot of different mediums. Um, and so I, writing a book felt like to me the next version of that. Um, I wanted to be, you know, it's something that I do in my day job. I went to journalism school, like writing was part of that. Um, but really the journey of the book is that um you know, I, I had had these wonderful experiences traveling around the world, climbing uh, seven summits, uh, ocean marathon swimming, um, running an ultra marathon on almost every continent, um, doing all kinds of American adventures, crossing the Grand Canyon, um, doing having these these amazing uh, endurance experiences. And people were always like, "You should write a book. You should share this." Um, but also, people would be like. What about when you have kids? Are you still gonna be? Are you gonna still be a runner? Are you gonna still be, do go on adventures? Um, and I didn't know. I didn't know if I would never ever run again. Um, and so after I had my daughter, um, I found out that you know I absolutely loved being active. I loved running. I loved the water. I needed that time for myself. Um, I needed to move and and have the physical element to balance out uh, my life. Um, and so I sat down um, to write about these stories, but I wanted to frame them in a way that could help other people um, instead of just, oh, I did all these things. Okay, that's great. But I did all of these things and here are some principles that I learned um, and they're packaged and there's three pillars in the book of three key things that people can apply to their lives uh, in work because I am a working professional, um, family life, um, definitely a task of endurance. Um, and so just taking sort of like the mindset of an endurance athlete um, and applying these three pillars um, and you can use those um, even if it's just you're just, you know, I mean, I know that this is a sports audience. So everyone listening is like, um, may so maybe instead of, you know, I tell the average reader, just walk to the park instead of driving next time. So maybe our answer is, um, uh, you know, doing more schemo or something, <laughs> I don't, you know, like taking it, taking it up a notch instead of just skiing down the mountain, you know, hike up and ski down. Uh, that's something I'd like to get more into when I and ice climbing, you know, when I get back into my winter sports uh availability more. So um, the, the, the reason I, I just always wanted to write a book and I felt like I was at the right time and the right place in my life and I had something to say and I thought it could help other people. Um, and so it was really fun to package because I have done some crazy things, especially just being, I, I call myself an average athlete. Like I, I was never, I, I won some races when I was younger, but I'm not out there winning the ultra marathons in Patagonia. Like I'm just happy to be, you know, surviving the mud and the jungle and the mudslides at the end of the day. Um, so I just want to encourage people that like, you don't have to be the best. You don't even have to get a great time. You just have to go out there and find the adventure and have fun and, and take away what you have on that experience back into your, your daily life and keep, and keep seeking those experiences out because they're vital to our human nature. Well, that's valuable because I think like that's most of us, you know, most of us aren't at the front of the pack in these races where we're, Solid mid-packers just trying to get the job done. Absolutely. <laughs> At what point were you like, okay, I think I've done enough cool stuff to write a book about? 
Well, I actually had so many stories. I, I'm working on some more. So stay tuned for that because GoFar really covers um, the 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 theme I have on GoFar, how endurance sports help you win at life, is run long, which speaks to ultra running, uh, climb high, which speech, uh, speaks to some mountaineering, hiking experiences, you know, climbing 14ers in the United States, uh, climbing Kilimanjaro in Africa, um, uh, climbing in, in Australia, um, and then swim deep, which speaks to um, escaping Alcatraz, a swim run in freezing cold water, um, swimming across the Hellespont, um, and just general like open water swimming and how you can use that to sort of like immerse yourself in your environment. Um, so GoFar is really about work, life, swimming, biking, running. Um, and we do a little bit of paddling because it's my background, a little bit of canyoneering um, and sort of sort of some coasteering, some, sp- some sports and experiences because it's kind of a memoir. It's a story of my life and how I meet my husband and uh, climbing 14ers with him and our daughter. Um, So there's some personal stories to that as well. But but there's some things I've talked about today uh, that aren't in in the book and hopefully will be in the next work um, because there's a lot more endurance sports out there. Uh, So stay tuned for for more on some of those stories. Have you found any similarities between the writing process and endurance sports? Because that's something that I like always try and like grapple with because I do think there is a connection between the two. I think there is. Um, and maybe, uh, you know, you're used to like putting your head down and sticking to it and like reaching a goal. Um, but when you're out running, especially when you're not listening to music or podcasts, like when I, you know, I listen to those in my car and other times, but not when I'm running, have a lot of time to think. And so it's a great way to sort of like write in your head um and process those thoughts and come up come up with ideas and and i love to like invent things and codify things and and things that aren't being done that don't exist um that other people aren't talking about uh that endurance sport time paddling paddling endless amounts on the river (laughs) like you can really dig deep into your uh, psyche and really think a lot and and then go write about it so um i think they do definitely feed each other i also feel like no matter how much I love running or writing, I always kind of like dread starting, you know, oh, yeah. like I, dr- <laughs> I dread like looking at a blank page and I dread like looking at my running shoes in the corner. But once you like get the ball, ball rolling, it's like one of the best feelings in the world. It really is. Yeah. I thought it's just the hardest part sometimes is just getting out the front door. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you have any uh, kind of like people you cite as like influences on your writing? Uh, maybe some like favorite books or or stuff like that. Well, I'm gonna sound super pretentious, but I, Gofar does reference a lot of big books. Um, and one of my favorite writers is is Leo Tolstoy, um, War and Peace, Anna Karenina, and so like having the like ability to those are big books, right? And like when I was little and I'd be at the bookstore, I'd be like, I want to read a book that big someday. And then I got like really into Russian literature. um, And then I actually went to Russia, uh, climbed a mountain while I was there, like, you know, I was drinking tea from a samovar, went to Tolstoy's house, uh, uh, got really into ballet too. um, And, you know, went to the Bolshoi theater and all of that. So um, books can really be this catalyst for like helping you 
um, explore the world, be curious about different cultures, be curious about different um, stories in history, different cuisine, different experiences, different music. Um, and so sometimes by reading, it would inspire my traveling. Like I'm, if, if I hadn't delved into the Russian literature phase and the ballet phase, I might not have wanted to go to Russia and, and climb Mount Elbrus. Um, so uh, definitely uh, Tolstoy is a big influence, on, but maybe not my writing, just more of my life. <laughs> um, and then I've, I've also one of my favorite uh, book series that is it, it referenced in the book um, is the Master and Commander um, Naval uh, Warfare series, 21 plus books about the uh, Napoleonic Wars um, in the 1800s. And so um, they actually go to all kinds of places selling around the world. And one of the places they went was the Canary Islands. And I was actually going to the Canary Islands. Or I decided I needed to do something in the Azores or uh, the Canaries. Um, because they're just kind of full of like this like seafaring history. Um, so I went and I did a Trans-Grand Canaria ultra run across an island. Um, and that was so fun because I, I just love the Mediterranean. So it's like Mediterranean, but it's also very like African. Uh, I was running and it was, there was rocks everywhere, up and down mountains, tons of vertical gain. And there was a uh, fog and um, sands blowing in in a sandstorm off the Sahara. Um, so that is kind of like an ultra run that was really kind of inspired by a book um, in this weird, uh, weird way. So uh, a lot of reading, you know, running to go to South America. I read a lot of um, Hispanic literature and that type of thing. And so when I when I have gone to South America and uh, been to Peru or climbing in Patagonia, like it all feels very like um, when you study the literature, especially you feel like you can just sort of relate to where you are more. And that definitely is a key part of Go Far. Um, I, I, I would hate to say that I'm, you know, writing at that level of literary genius, but 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 I think that you know, tapping into, hey, I enjoyed the story and I want to go see it and try some of that for myself. Tolstoy was not what I was expecting, <laughs> but I love it. You tied that in perfectly. <laughs> oh, thank um, you. So you mentioned a few projects uh, that you have coming up. Are there any others you want to talk about? Well, the the fun one is I'm calling it the three pack, um, and that's the swim across the lake while towing the pack raft and the bike, uh, biking to the river and then taking everything back down river. And that feels very like Kansas, you know, like you can do it in another state. So I would just like find something that is yours. Like some of the reasons I got into some of these combinations is because people were doing um, these things like in Grand Teton or Colorado, like the Nolan's 14, like that kind Kind of thing. So I'm like, what can I create where I live uh, that sort of echoes this, but it fits my timeline. It fits my sports that I want to do. It fits my environment. Um, and so that's just one of the fun things I'm doing. And then, of course, the, the Mississippi raft trip. <laughs> I like, you know, and again, that's an example, like, I'm not going to take six months out of my life and travel the entire Mississippi. Would that be fun? Sure. In another lifetime. So what can I do? I can, I can give it a weekend. I can give it a couple of days. Uh, so what can we accomplish in that timeline? And then we have this raft. I have two young kids. We have this raft that's going to become an adventure raft, but it's also going to become a family raft and we can take it all over for the rest of our life, um, doing things on different rivers um, in different places. Um, and I, I haven't actually talked about this part. So this is, um, this is a big deal. But you know, if I'm on the river, I kind of want to swim in the river. 
Um, and I haven't done a river swim. I've done ocean swims. I've done a lot of lake swimming, obviously pool swimming, um, some canal, I, you know, different types of swimming. And I'm like, I need to do a river swim. So it might just turn into the Mississippi 100-mile raft slash swim. <laughs> and I, I, I don't have details on that yet. Um, I was looking at some river swims and I was thinking, man, I don't know if I have the time to commit to that. But if I'm already going to be here on this river, we'll see what happens. Well, I look forward to following along. Um, <laughs> where can uh, where can people find your book? Well, my book is um, Go Far, How Endurance Sports Help You Win at Life is available um, worldwide wherever books are sold. So definitely hit up your local bookstore. Um, but it's also available on Amazon and um, through Penguin Random House, uh, Barnes & Noble here in the States. Um, and then my website is jenniferstrongmacon.com. Um, so there's links there. And um, follow me on Instagram for um, I try to share adventures, daily adventures or ideas on how um, we're trying to stay active with children. So I'll keep everyone updated on the, on the river swim. Cool. Yeah. We'll, we'll link the book in the show notes. Um, Jennifer, thanks for chatting with me today. This has been really fun. Absolutely, Matt. Thank you so much. That's it for this edition of off the couch. Thanks to Jennifer for the conversation. Thanks to Justin Bob for producing this episode. And from everyone here at Blister, please take good care of yourself. Keep moving forward. And we'll talk to you again next week.